Good morning, Fly with the Doctors are in. I'm Dr. Scott Cleos. And I'm Dr. Andrea Cleos. We are here once again to talk about your health and health issues right here in Flagler, Volusia, and St. John's County. We came back from a wonderful trip visiting our daughter, Juliana, over at FSU for her senior year, her last parents' weekend in Tallahassee. What an awesome town that is. And... Uh, we probably talk about this every time we go out there, but Andrew and I both trained over at UF, so we never really had any opportunity or even a desire to go to Tallahassee, which was, you know, three hours away. Um, but when Juliana started going and she fell in love with the campus and we followed her out there and um, it's been great. Every time we go out, we have a good time. And She's got some awesome roommates. We met their parents and uh, just always always fun being in Tallahassee. Yeah, yep, and it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's interesting to be in Florida, especially when you're by the beach, you imagine Florida always be so flat. But then out in Tallahassee, it's kind of like Claremont. There's actually hills. Yeah. And and there's forest and trees and it gets cold, colder than here. And um it's 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 almost you feel like there's actually a fall coming. So it's kind of interesting. And it's like everything is central. Um, when we were in Gainesville, you got downtown, you got midtown, things are spread up and spread out. And d depending on the time, uh, the day of the week, there may be events going in, going, going on in one place or the other, or sometimes both. And that kind of spreads the population out, which may be necessary because of the size. I don't know. But in Tallahassee, it's more centralized, I think. You know, most of the activities are. Um, right down there in, I don't even know what they call that area where, um, you know, there's college like town, college town, there's pots and, you know, pot bellies and all that. And they're with all within walking distance. So it's really nice. And, uh, they had a, um, street festival or street party for parents weekend. And, uh, the guy that was playing guitar was actually a father of a freshman over there. So it was kind of exciting to see somebody who, um, was coming back, not only as entertainment, but also as a parent himself for the weekend. So that was pretty cool. And uh, like I said, we got to meet Juliana's new roommates, and they're all sweet girls, and they've got great families. So all around good time. Yeah, it it's really is a great time up there. And like always, we try to stay healthy and stay we, happy. We fall off the wagon. I'm not, not going to lie to you. Not to do too much alcohol. We did some alcohol. Because it is fun in a college town to We imbibe. did some alcohol, and I also recommend... If you really want a good mojito, you got to go to Gordo's. Uh, if you've never been out there, Gordo's is awesome. Their mojitos are some of the best I've ever had. And they've got yuca fries, which I really like. Um, and then they also, I got the chicken, I don't know, it was some kind of chicken wrap that was pressed. But the food is really, really good. You will be a Gordo when you leave there, for sure. Because you just want to eat. You know, but yeah, I guess that's what it's all have, about. They definitely have good food. What was really bummer, the whole reason why we went to Gordo's one, because we love it, but two, because we wanted to watch the football game. Yeah. So and the football game was against Scott's alma mater, Virginia Tech. Right. Which I knew we were going to get our, our butts handed to us. And we did. Because I remember back, I think it was 99 when we played FSU for the championship. And it was back when Michael Vick was our quarterback. And we were, we got beat back then too. So I don't know if we've ever beat FSU. I'm not sure if that's ever been the case, but 
Um, still a great time. I didn't really care. Juliana asked me, she goes, well, Dad, who are you going to be rooting for? I said, well, Jules, if you're looking at me, of course, I'm going to be rooting for FSU. And as soon as you turn your back and look the other way, I'm going to say, go Hokies. <laughs> but we couldn't even see the game, so it didn't even matter. We no. were we were so, you know, we were having so much fun just being at Gordo's and having some mojitos and uh, eating our, our Cuban sandwiches and wraps that uh, we would just ask people, okay, we got to go to the bathroom and see the TV and like, oh, yeah, they're they're up 20 yeah the FSU's up 22 points and oh you know Virginia Tech's coming back and I think at the end they still lost by 22 points at the end of the day but it's interesting when we walk around and you see people around your same age bracket and some of them just look so much older and some of them look so much younger and it's interesting as we age who are the ones that are carrying the flag of longevity and who are the ones that are not and it is an interesting dynamic. So what was your take on the things that you saw as we walked around well, college? Well, you know? as you said, you know, being in the medical field, we see individuals in all different states of health and infirmity. And I'm now getting to an age at 59 where there's a lot of my cohorts and colleagues who are coming down with really bad diseases. So unfortunately, these things that we do in our in our formative years, um, when we think we're invisible and are um, invisible, <laughs> invincible in our 20s and 30s, catch up to us when we're in our 50s and 60s. And um, I think, you know, I've always lived my life as best as I could as if, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. You know, I, I made the same mistakes. When I was in college, I probably drank too much going out with the par- uh, fraternity and partying with some of my fraternity brothers. And then afterwards, after tying one on, we'd go to Hardee's. It was open all night long. And I'd probably empty my pockets of whatever change I had to get these little hearty tater tots at three in the morning and eat like five bags of those. You guys were doing that in medical school, too, after call. Yeah, we probably weren't. Yeah, probably wasn't good. But and you know, my arteries have paid the price. (laughs) I mean, I have some, you know, calcium in my coronary arteries, but they're wide open. And I'm hoping that calcium was from my, you know, um, inappropriate decisions during those formative years, because the rest of my, the rest of my arteries look pretty good in the body from what I could see. So tell us about how you looked at those arteries and and that new technology that's coming out that's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, I mean, you know, we can look at the arteries directly with CTA and then we can apply... So CTA for the listener would mean... Computerized tomography, you know, angiography. So So that's putting contrast in someone's blood vessels, which means you'd have to get a contrast load for somebody with kidney failure. It's kind of hard on them. But it puts contrast in the blood vessels to look at the heart vessels to actually see, are those vessels looking narrower? Now, the problem with CTA, it only gives you the overall view, it doesn't help you look at the thickness of the walls of those vessels or the well, type of plaque, it, really. It does. It actually does. So the, the advantage of the CTA over uh, an ant, so, you know, there's different tests and people get these things confused. You can go get a CT uh, calcium score. And basically that's a non-contrasted study that looks at the heart vessels and it counts up the amount of calcium that they detect in in the four vessels, the left main, the LAD, the circumflex, and the right coronary artery. And it adds those up. And it stratifies your risk depending on your, your plaque burden, your calcified plaque burden. And they do like an Agaston score. There's an AJ, I think, 130. I don't usually use the Agaston score. And depending on what your score is, they stratify your risk for your age group. So they'll say, 
say that, you know, if you took every patient between the ages of, you know, um, 50 and 59, this is their, you, you fall in this percent rank. So, you know, if I'm 50th percent rank, then that means 50% of people will have more calcium than me and 50% will have less. If I'm in the 80th percent rank, that means 20% of the population will have more. And then, you know, the uh, 79% will have less, you know, or 80%. So, you know, Andrea basically has none. So she's probably near the top of the, you know, the 100 percentile right there. Wait, is that the way that works? Or the zero percentile? I think it's yeah. the zero percentile. No, no calcium. No calcium. And so, you know, the, that, the problem with doing that test is, is a like I told score, you before, not a the calcium score, it basically shows you that are plaques that have already been, you know, through the process of inflammation and have healed. So, you know, even though it's showing that you are prone to developing these plaques, these are healed plaques, and these aren't the ones that are probably going to be a problem for you. Um, so can we stop for one second for clarification? It, when you have a plaque, so you have cholesterol buildup inside the wall of the vessel, that plaque can be hard. And if it's hard and the lumen, and it doesn't jet into the lumen, it doesn't compromise the blood flow. And so it, it becomes, it may change the, the flexibility of the wall of the vessels because now the wall of the vessel is stiffer. Um, and that can create problems over time, but uh, meaning high blood pressure, but you're still getting blood flow through the vessel. Now, if you have a plaque that's in the wall of the vessel or sticking into the lumen that's soft, that's the plaque that actually can break off and then fly into your brain causing a stroke or fly into a, the distal vessel that might be more narrow So, because if the vessel's flowing down and it narrows down and supplies the muscle and dives into the muscle and then supplies the muscle, it might occlude at the level of the muscle and then it doesn't get blood side supply to the muscle and now the muscle dies and that's the aching pain that you feel from a heart attack. So those soft plaques are what's so important. And when Scott was talking about the calcium scores and the angiogram and his angiogram has calcifications in it, but they're hard and he's got good blood flow with the diameter of the vessels looking pretty normal despite having calcium deposition. Sometimes that occurs when we have a deficiency in vitamin K2. Vitamin K2, remember, is made by your gut biome, like all the other K vitamins, and it helps the transportation of calcium from the blood vessel into the bone and the teeth. And if you don't have enough K2, it can get stuck in the wall of the vessel. So several years back, um, they said, oh, if you're taking calcium, stop taking it, stop taking it. And they were recommending everyone to take calcium for their bones, especially people with osteopenia and osteoporosis, but they stopped that because what was happening is the higher levels of calcium were increasing the risk of atherosclerotic, the cornea, the calcium deposition in the walls of the vessel. What was happening here is probably, I can't say definitively, but probably they didn't have enough K2, vitamin K2. And so vitamin K is not the same as vitamin K2. Vitamin K, there are different types of K vitamins, um, and as a result of it is vitamin K2, it's one, two, and three are the predominantly active ones. Vitamin K3 uh, is helpful, but it can be toxic. So K1 thins your blood, um, 
and actually uh, actually thickens your blood. Sorry. And vitamin K to reverse and vitamin K two is good. It can also thicken the little bit of the blood, but it actually the 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 functionality is it really helps transport that calcium. K two has also been seen to improve leukemias and certain types of cancers like breast cancer. Um, I believe prostate too. So um, it has other beneficial effects than just transporting calcium. But if you have osteoporosis or osteopenia, it's important to take K2, vitamin K2. And if you suffer from heart disease or you have those hardened arteries, it might be a good idea to take that K2 as well. So now Scott's going to go on more about this soft plaque in well, the vessel. Well, before we do that, just for clarification, you know, the, the formation of plaques in your arteries is multifactorial. And part of it is going to be your genetic makeup, your cholesterol level, and your lifestyle. And what, what you're seeing are the inflammatory changes in the vessel wall that, again, are multifactorial, which could be due to your diet and your baseline inflammatory state. So when I was younger, I didn't really use a lot of dental floss. I didn't, you know, floss between my teeth regularly and I had pretty bad gingivitis. So that makes an inflammatory state that is going to increase your baseline inflammation. So when these little particles that are transporting fat around your body get stuck in the wall, if you've got gingivitis or dental caries or diabetes or any of these high inflammatory states, you're going to be more prone to forming calcific plaques in your vessels. But it's not like the vessels the plaques turn calcified immediately. They go through an evolution and they start off as a little inflammatory area. And then eventually what they do is you'll get a little plaque that may be soft. And then that plaque will mature and become a little harder and eventually will just calcify. Okay. So that's the evolution of most of these plaques. The problem is before it counts, does it calcify is the mature one. That one's not going anywhere, but it can narrow the vessel. So if you were like me and made some bad decisions during your youth, it's really important that you get some aerobic exercise and stress these vessels because if you have these plaques, going out and exercising will cause that vessel to remodel. It'll, it'll cause that vessel to stretch out and push that plaque out to the side, and that's what's happened in my vessel. So I'm maintaining the luminal diameter and maintaining the flow to my heart muscle, even though I've got some pretty significant plaques in various different locations. I don't know if K2 is going, K2 may help with this process, but it's not going to basically protect you if you don't do all those other things like eat right and exercise. So, you know, it's part of a whole package. The problem with these soft plaques, as Andrea alluded to, is that they're friable, which means that they're very fragile. And if you've got a whole bunch of soft plaques and you're going out and let's say you've got hypertension and that high blood pressure is causing pressure on the vessel wall and you're trying to do that remodeling, but you're remodeling and distending out that vessel and you've got a big old, you know, um, uh, lipid filled soft plaque in the wall, you're basically stretching that plaque and that's when it can rupture. So positive remodeling can be good because it restores the lumen of the vessel, but it can also be bad. And you don't know what your situation is until you actually look at the wall. Angiography can't do that because that basically just looks at the lumen. CTA can look at those plaques and not only can it look at it, it can 
qualify the plaque. So it can tell you if it's calcified or non-calcified and and harder plaque or non-calcified and softer plaque. And now we've got an AI program called Clearly. And if you go to Clearly Health, and it's spelled C-L-E-E-R-Y, not E-A-R, you know, Clearly Health, um, you can actually see this program and it will automatically characterize these plaques for you. It'll tell you how narrow the vessel is. It'll qualify the plaque and tell you if there's a lot of, you know, lipid presence that could be a problem for you uh, and possibly a future heart attack. So So, it's very, very interesting. So what specifically different does Clearly Health offer you from a CT angiogram? It's basically an AI analysis of your CTA coronary. So, you know, you get the coronary CTA and I can look at it and give you an idea of where you have narrowing and be pretty good at that. But I think what the program does is it kind of quantifies and qualifies the plaque and just lays that out for you. And, and the it exact actually, location. And, and the exact location. And then if you get a follow-up exam, it can show you if that plaque is moving in the right direction. Is it becoming more calcified, more stable, or is it getting bigger and softer? And so if it's getting bigger and softer, then you've got to change the the treatment regimen, it's not working, or you got to change your lifestyle or something is not moving in the right direction. So, you know, some people are under the assumption that if they're on a statin, they can do whatever they want in life, but that's not necessarily true. The great thing about doing a clearly analysis is you can actually look at these plaques. And if you initiate a therapy, you can repeat the CTA with a clearly analysis a couple of years later, and you can see if the plaque is stabilizing or getting worse. So we're going to take a quick break. If you have any questions for myself or Dr. Andrew, you can email us at the doctors in D-O-C-T-O-R-I-S-I-N at WNZF.com. You're listening to the doctors in on WNZF News Radio, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Radiology Associates has been a trusted name in Volusia, Flagler, and St. John's County for over 50 years. Radiology Associates is the first and only radiology provider to bring our neighbors of Flagler County 3 Tesla MRI, 64 slice CT, and time of flight PET CT in our Palm Coast Imaging and Town Center Imaging locations. This is our community. Our doctors live here and strive to provide only the best care to you, our neighbors. For more information about Radiology Associates, visit us online at radiologyassociatesimaging.com. And we're back. For those of you just joining us, we were talking about aging gracefully, and we spent most of the first half of this uh, of this uh, presentation. Or, or po- what is this thing? It's a radio show or a, a podcast? podcast. So it's Are we a, a podcast? Yeah, we're a podcast. Wow, I'm pretty impressive. I didn't know we had a podcast. But talking about coronary artery disease and qualifying the plaques and using this clearly analysis, analysis C L E E. R-L-Y, clearly analysis, to actually apply AI technology and look directly at these plaques and not only tell you how small your vessels are or if they're, you know, critically narrowed, but what kind of plaque is in there and are you at risk for developing 
heart disease. And I heard that maybe by December, January, they're actually going to talk about gradient flow. Yeah. So that's another, so, you know, we, we, that's another, it's kind of hard to explain this, but they can do almost like a tensor analysis and determine if a stenosis is actually significant by doing uh, fractional flow rates, FFR. And heart flow is the one that does that right now, where they look at the contrast going through a vessel and they can determine whether that stenosis is causing problems and it's significantly reducing the blood flow to a portion of the myocardium. So clearly is going to be doing the same thing, but not with fractional flow rates. It's something else. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I don't, I think they just got FDA approval. So it's okay to talk about it, but I'm not going to give you too much more information because I'm not really familiar with it, but hopefully that'll be another feature that they're going to offer on this clearly analysis because they get the whole data set and there's so much more they could be doing and I told them this they can have, analyze these plaques uh, but they can also give you you know heart function and kind of tell you what your ejection fraction is and which is something that you would also get from a um, from an echocardiogram and now if they do this portion of it you'll be getting you know these flow analysis to determine if a 50% stenosis is actually limiting blood flow to portions of the heart so it's going to be so interesting. So a lot of times when a cardiologist goes in and does a catheterization on a patient, which we're doing less and less of those these days because a lot of the research is showing that unless you have a severe, severe stenosis that could potentially cause death to the myocardium, the heart muscle, so they need to go in there and open it up, they actually are finding that when people in change their life, so they eat more vegetables, they exercise, they get rid of the alcohol, or at least eliminate it significantly. Um, they sleep better, make sure they're doing their sleep, sleep apnea machine if they need it, and just have a happier life and a better outlook, that those vessels actually improve themselves. Those sla uh, soft plaques improve more so, and the outcomes are better than if a stent was put in. So my question to you is, when you do the CT angiogram or you do a more advanced or secondary step up to clearly, because um, you got to do the CT angiogram before you can do the clearly analysis, um, that provides you a lot of lumen information, but the thickness of the wall, the thickness of the clot, uh, clot, the type of clot, the flow through it potentially here in the future, and specific locations. When a cardiologist does a catheterization, can he tell the type of clot, if it's a soft or a hard no, clot, you can't see it. It's can called he a, tell the gradient? A, well, they can measure a gradient for sure, but it's a it's called a luminogram because you're looking at the inside of the vessel. So, in my situation where I have widely patent coronary arteries, um, but I've got big cal, I've got you know chunky calcified plaques. An angiogram is not going to show you any of that because all you're doing is looking at the inside of the vessel. So, my coronary heart catheterization may look completely normal. And that's the problem. And fortunately, mine are calcified. But if you've got a big soft plaque in there, you wouldn't even know that you've got a problem. And you might have a false sense of security that the lifestyle you're limiting is okay. And, you know, you've actually um, accommodated for, you know, these plaques by having the positive remodeling, but you're a ticking time bomb. So I think in patients who have you know, it's not like I recommend this for anyone out there. If you have no family history of coronary artery disease, I wouldn't even look. But 
if you, you know, every male in the family died before the age of 55 from heart disease, absolutely. Those are the kind of patients you want to take a look at and see where they're at and making sure you're maximizing, A, their lifestyle, their diet, and if necessary, medications. I would use that as a last-ditch effort because if you can get them to actually do the right things and eat right and exercise, you may obviate the need for medication. So, And I think that's where, you know, this advanced imaging using CT coronary angiography with a clearly analysis will really make a huge difference. And the nice thing is you can do the test eight months later, a year later, you can reevaluate. And how hard is that on the kidneys, though, because you're putting contrast each well, time? Well, I mean, you know, I'm less concerned about the kidneys in a normal individual because you'll just excrete this contrast like everyone else. Oh, it's somebody who's I'm, got compromised. Yeah, if you've got compromised kidneys, you've got to think twice whether the, you know, the benefits outweigh the risk. But there is radiation exposure with this, too. So it's not something you want to do every six months, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think in a high-risk population, repeating that CTA maybe once every, you know, if you do it two years in a row, and everything's moving in the right direction, your labs are stable, and you're doing everything you can to maximize uh, vascular health, you probably not have to do anything for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of sequential plaques on there, and they're really concerned, you know, you're 54 years old, and your dad died when he was 52, and your brother passed away when he was 56, you may want to monitor that person a little more closely, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a stratifying risk, and that that's what... Um, that's what these screening exams are all about. If you're going to have a screening exam, you want to do a screening exam in a population where there is a high prevalence of that disease because screening a normal population is ineffective, right? Because most of those patients are going to be absolutely fine, uh, proven by their family history. Now, interestingly enough, um, the uh, it, supposedly you can have a calcium score of zero, so you have very little risk factors. Somebody did your calcium score because you didn't want to be on statins. Maybe your cholesterol is a little bit up, but not terrible. You didn't want to take statins, so you did a calcium score. The calcium score was zero. Supposedly, just because your calcium score is zero, there are 30% of those patients, if I understood correctly, that actually can have still abnormal coronaries. Oh, absolutely. You can have soft plaques that you won't see on a standard CT coronary. I mean, because they haven't matured yet. So, you know, patients who uh, may have uh, a genetic predisposition like lipoprotein little a, and they're 30 years old with a strong family history of coronary artery disease at a young age, and you may go and do a calcium score and say, oh, you're fine. But these are the patients that could have multiple soft plaques along the course of their vessels that you wouldn't even know until they present with a heart attack. And I don't remember the actual statistic that was quoted when I went to one of these clearly presentations, but I think they said 25% of all patients with... um, coronary artery disease, their initial presentation is sudden death. Wow. I think, you know, one quarter is sudden death. The first sign that you have coronary artery disease is you you die. Now, I'm going to say that maybe the first sign may be a heart attack or death because I can't remember. (laughs) If anyone's out there and they know that statistic, but it was whatever it was, it was high. Even if it's 25%. made you stop and think. Yeah, maybe if it's 25%, your first, you know, presentation is a heart attack. I mean, maybe even more. If, it, if 25% it's sudden death, then it may be 50%, you know, maybe a heart attack. You know, I, I, don't even, I don't even know the actual statistic, but it was more than I expected. 
But I think, again, if you've got a strong family history and no one in your family, you know, or one side of your family, they all died young, you may want to get screened just for the comfort of knowing, you know, if you're on the right path or not. And then if not, then you can change direction. And hopefully you can do that before it's too late. Right. And so... In that case, make sure you're eating well. Your vegetables are huge. Interestingly enough, I gave a lecture on longevity. And, uh, you know, one of the things that promotes longevity is actually that high vegetable diet and a low-protein diet. And this whole concept of how many calories we're supposed to have, they're actually finding it is just wrong. That we need like... Like so many things, like so much yeah, of the dogma like from the Yeah, like half of the calories we, we take in we don't need. And so skipping a meal they found actually to promote longevity and not eating as much and not eating the snacks, just all the things that we're starting to hear more and more of this intermittent fasting, how healthy it is for us. But what was shocking to me is is not shocking because I've... I've promoted low protein, but it was, I should say, happy to hear because I've found that in my own patient population, they just didn't need as much protein as has been quoted. And they do very, very well. And I've never shown problems with muscle wasting, sarcopenia, or any weaknesses or problems like that. And so now they're saying that, that the um, branch chain amino acids and a lot of the protein intake is, that, is just way too high and actually induces aging. So um, leaning up on that protein, eating a high vegetable diet, drinking your water, making sure you're getting your sleep, all the good things that help us stay healthy and trying to reverse disease. So awesome. always fight to improve it. All right. So next week, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about aging and possibly reversing or slowing down the aging process. Something to look forward to. Hopefully we won't look a week older next week. <laughs> That'd be great. And you guys either. Right. All right, guys. Stay happy. Stay healthy. We'll see you guys next time. The doctors are out. The Doctor Is In Radio Show, paid for by Radiology Associates.